Welcome here to Scandinavian Tennis Podcast. My name is Rune Thompson. And my name is Linus Eriksson. Here we will talk you through this week's most interesting happenings on the tennis tours. Vamos, let's go! It's a Sunday afternoon and it's time for a new weekly ra- roundup uh, about Scandinavian tennis. And as usual, together with uh, Rune Thompson. How are you today, Rune? Very good. Thank you, Linus. And yeah, great to be back. From now on, I'm starting a countdown from Monday to Sunday to know, okay, now it's only one day ahead for, for our weekly podcast. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> as always, as always. And today we are probably even more excited because we have a guest with us already from the start that's going to join us for, for the full episode. Uh, Magnus Ennenberg, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Linus. Thank you, Rune. Nice to be on the pod. It's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, as uh, yeah, like in the Scandinavian tennis pod, as we all know, it's very important to introduce ourselves. Uh, so, Magnus, can you please uh, tell the listeners uh, shortly who you are? Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a tennis coach from from Stockholm, Sweden. I've been working as a tennis coach for 20 years, and I'm a big fan of of Swedish tennis. Especially, I try to follow all the Swedish players and, and really hoping that Swedish tennis can be uh, stronger for every year. Uh, and also, I'm interested in, in the Danish and the Finnish and the Norwegian players as well. But uh, especially the Swedish players, I try to follow them and I try to support them. So I've been a listener of the Scandinavian podcast since the start. And it was fun that you contacted me and said that I have to be on this episode Otherwise, you will be mad at me. So here I am. <laughs> so, so you sound like the perfect guest here, I think. Uh, and it's uh... Linus. Can I start with a question for Maunus? It's yeah, a big, go ahead. big sure. question. Maunus, can you remember when we met for the first time? I do not. I do not. Okay. <laughs> so, it, so, so, room, tell us. <laughs> yes, it was in for tennis Europe in uh, GLTCO, and it must have been. Uh, it, Fred, you were there with Fred Simonsen, and he was uh, first year of 16. So that means he's he's born in '94. So it must have yeah. been 29, I think. Yeah, it was it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Was it the same year, maybe when when Sverre was there playing? No. No, no. It it was it was uh, it before <laughs> that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think yeah. uh, 20, 29 or, or yeah. around that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I think to, to start this uh, episode, I think it's, uh, it's uh, the right thing to do to start with uh, saying a big uh, congrats to Kaiser Ronaldo Person and Carl Freiberg, who today won, both won titles on the 15K level uh, in uh, Kaiser in Heraklion and uh, Freiberg in uh, Vasa in Finland. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, uh, for example, Ronaldo, she turned both the semifinals and the finals around after being down love three in the third set in the semi and two four in the third set in the final uh, and it's uh, I, I guess it's a uh, big big moments for both i think it was their second title uh, both for freeber and for for kaisa um yeah what, what what do you say about this week rune i think that first of all we or i have to apologize to carl because we had him up as a topic earlier this this um, in this um, podcast where we talked about that his planning was maybe a little bit so-and-so or in the air and now he showed that he has level to win yeah i will say it was not the strongest 15 uh, but 
still it's a 15 and it's a great win for him. So yeah, I'm very happy for Carl and and hopefully he can progress now. But changing from clay to hard court, like from week to week, it cannot be a, a like a, a way to do it. But he, it worked out for him. It worked out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so so it felt right to start with that. But otherwise, I think we will we will start with this week's biggest topic uh, and the action at the Roland Garros, of course. And uh, we had, uh, yeah, we, of course, we had Casper uh, Ruud and, uh, and Holger Rune uh, going deep this week. Uh, and I guess we all, uh, three of us, saw, saw the quarterfinals. Uh, or, yeah, Rune, did you see it? It was quite yeah, a yeah. Good. <laughs> Even it was over my bedtime, I, I stayed up. I had to. I had to uh, simply because I was watching the first set and then, okay, Casper uh, was up, uh, break, and 40-15, and I was thinking, okay, now it's over. And then suddenly uh, I watched two or three more games and then suddenly Holger is ahead and then I have to watch the, uh, to the end of the set. Then it's one on set. And then, of course, I have to watch the, the third set. And then, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it took, it went on. Yeah. Did you see it, Magnus? Uh, I, I'm now I'm very old and and I go up early in the morning, so I, I fell asleep in in the middle of the match. Uh, but the, yeah, I, I saw uh, first two sets and then I saw some highlights in the morning. Or uh, yeah, no, it was because Magnus thought that it was him. Holger was telling leave, leave, leave. <laughs> so that's why he went off. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> so so uh, I mean that that that's obviously one one of the topics here uh, that. Uh, yeah, what what happened during that match? Uh, what, what's your take on it, Rune? Uh, and what has been said in in Denmark, for for example? No, I think it's it's very polarized. Uh, what uh, what is said? I mean, there's a big, um, of course, part of of the population that think it's it's way above. Uh, yeah, what is um, yeah what you what you can do in in a tennis match and then there is other the other part that says that it's uh, it's fine he's young and it's part of the game um and i will say of course i have a little bit of insight because i know how and i know the team for so you have talked to them no not about after the match no uh, I, uh, i've been waiting a, a little while before i would uh, say anything to them directly but i think that for me it's it's not a surprise. I mean, he's under massive pressure, and I've seen this before, also in juniors, maybe not on television, but that when everything is 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 against him and he's like um, caught in in a corner, it's tough for him, and and it will be for anybody. So it's a I will not say it's a natural reaction, but it's a re- reaction that is common uh, for 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 players. And what I said to my Danish friends that's been asking me about this situation is that. I think the Danish people are put a lot more in, um, attention to it because it's on Danish. So now they understand what the player communicate to their team. Where, for example, if they are watching a Russian girl or Russian man mm-hmm. saying something on Russian to their box, nobody will notice because they have no clue about what's saying. But it's similar stuff that is going on. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I think one interesting thing is like, uh, I mean, from from what I've heard or, or read is uh, when uh, when Holger were telling his mother to to leave the stands, for example, uh, and and how, how how do you guys think that the 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 coaches or the box should should uh, tolerate from from a player during a match? I mean, yeah, from from your perspective as coaches, if we if we start with Magnus, what what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about about those those kind of things at that level with that pressure playing a quarterfinal in the slam. So it's it's difficult to 
to understand the, the mechanics uh, of, of that uh, reactions. But I think like in, in general, of course, I think you should you should treat all persons with with respect. And uh, I think shouting at your box and doing those kind of stuff is is uh, not th something I think you should do, obviously. Um, but I think it's uh, it's a difficult topic because like you have Andy Murray, for example, like when, when you listen to him outside of the court, he seems like a really, a really good guy with, with a deep connection to, to like his team and his family and, and stuff like that. But sometimes in the match, he, he can behave in a very strange way towards his box. And, and for me, that's it's very hard to understand that uh, difference between the, the person that you listen to in interviews and the person that's acting on the court uh, against the, their own box. But I, I think, yeah, yeah, you, you, I, I was in shock when I saw Holger because uh, that was uh, for me, uh, he, he crossed the line a couple of times there. Where, where, but where is the line for you? I mean, now you say like you, you don't know where, how, how how the pressure is in a quarterfinal of a slam. But I mean, when you're coaching during matches, what, what do you tolerate? Where Where's your line, so to say? Uh, I, I think uh, I don't know if I, if I've ever been in a situation where, where someone has crossed the line in that way. Uh, all my players are scared of me. <laughs> okay 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 no, but, but, I, can but, say, but, I can yeah. say Linus I, I have left matches uh, with my player both in like very recent but also in the past so I think for me it's it's not a, a issue but I will say the higher the level gets or the higher uh, level the player are the more I will tolerate I would for example if I was in in Hogger's box and people were saying, uh, my player was saying, leave, leave, leave. Then I would probably just leave because he's in the middle of his biggest moment of his career. Of course, there's no uh, need to to start up a, a fight there or try to uh, disargue there. I mean, mm -hmm. then I think it's just better like what Anika did, left, mm -hmm. and then he can go on with his stuff on the court. Mm -hmm. Where if it if I was traveling with a tennis Europe. 14 or 12 guy or girl and they were behaving so bad and saying stuff to me then i would of course immediately uh, pull them out of the match or tell them this is last time uh, you ever travel with me again but but where is the line i mean uh, if, if yeah yeah minus yeah but i think i think it's uh, this is uh, difficult to, to talk in in general because it's so much about the the, the player and the the coach and the relationship between now, I was I was joking before when I said they're scared of me, obviously. But I think it's it's the relationship you have with your player, and and the 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 things you talk about before the match and, and after the match. So I, th I think every situation is a new situation. But I, I think the, the the player and the coach should have like mutual respect for each other. And and in that case, I don't think shouting at each other should be the way to communicate. Um, and I think. In, in these situations, I, I've never been in, in a situation of this this level when the, the player is shouting in this way, but I've had situations where players are playing maybe a, a big match or, or a match for them. That's the big, their biggest match and they have a high stress level. And I can see that this stress, they have have problems uh, with, with controlling their stress and, and they put it on their parents or, or on me. But I, then I can realize, okay, this is the result of, of a high level of stress. So now we have to... to talk about this after the match and we can discuss like how how come this situation ar arose when you got this distressed so i think for for me working on the on the, with juniors mostly it's it's 
more about having a relationship with the player and understanding why did this reaction occur at this specific uh, moment. So, so depending on the situation and the relation with the player, it might be okay for the player to to be disrespectful sometimes. Uh, not not disrespectful, but 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 yeah. we have to like understand what 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 happened here. Like exactly. sometimes maybe they get they get angry at the umpire or the opponent's coach uh, making too many noises or the, you you don't ever know because every time you step into a new situation, if it's your your first big final in a national tournament, or it's your first big final internationally, your your first like you're playing for for your for your nation or mm. always in these new situations and you don't have. A, a history of being in this situation they might be responses that are not common for this player then you have to realize okay what what is happening now and, and what happened here and how can we learn from this so it doesn't happen again instead of mm. like oh he, this player is behaving bad now i'm just gonna leave because mm. I've, I've had players that behave badly in the match and and but they only destroy for themselves and it's mm. like it's no reason for me to leave if they're they're destroying for themselves but after the match we can discuss it and say okay why why did you break a racket there okay because i got so angry at this umpire okay then we can discuss it from that point mm. if i'm if i'm leaving as soon as someone shows stress or or they lose their temper i think uh, that's not a good way to support them and show that i will be with them in good times and bad times mm. Mm. but i think Manu said something very important here uh, about the relation uh, between player and, and coach and i actually think if we look at from not in a match perspective and behavior-wise, I think actually this shows how close Holger and his team are. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure that a new player with a new coach would never be able to do this uh, mm. against a team. And I'm not saying it's helping Holger, but I think it also somehow shows that, okay, he know he can get his anger, he can blame them, and then they take the fourth in that moment, and then he can stick to what he's doing on the court playing tennis again. Okay, so so it's it's maybe uh, maybe discussed before that they are the garbage can during the match. I think it is. I also think in Danish media, the the former mental coach of Holger was saying that this is natural. I mean, when you are stressed, when your stress level is high, you're under pressure. You always uh, your frustration goes out on the people that is closest to you. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I also I also read an article where, where his his mom said like when he is distressed, usually me or Lars is the coach are, are leaving because then he has only one person to have a, like a connection with, so he he can be more direct in his focus or something like that. So mm-hmm. since since the mom and and the coach has been with him for, forever on all the tournaments that I, since I've seen Holger since he was fourteen, like every time you you seen the mom and the coach, so they have a an extremely tight relationship. So I think it's it's difficult for us from from the outside to to pass judgment too early, but Absolutely. but 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 of course of course uh, it, it was not good, and also what he did after the match with with uh, saying things about uh, his opponent that I, I seemed very strange was not good. But hopefully he can, he can learn from this and and be more humble in the in the future. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the opponent were of course Casper uh, Ruud, who who uh, uh, reached the final uh, and lost to to Nadal today. Uh, and I, I think it's pretty cool that that Casper has uh, background on Nadal's uh, academy. Uh, I don't know exactly how much, but but what do you guys think that uh, Rafa have? Uh, I mean. Uh, uh, 
has it been uh, like important for, for Casper to to have Rafa as a mentor, or, or what's what, what what do you think his his role have been at the academy for Casper? I think Casper told um, right before the final today that he's he like got inspired by Rafa because he's such a great sportsman. He never complained. He always is humble and that is something that Casper is trying to uh, take from him and I think he's doing I mean Casper is is very down to earth guy and and I think that uh, yeah uh, what what he's doing will also be uh, reflected a lot on uh, his future career that he he will be remembered as a as a guy that is very down to earth and and very humble yeah yeah is it? Uh, I I know you're you're uh, you're positive about having sort of mentors, uh, Magnus. What, what 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 do you think that that means for a player to have someone to look up to, like maybe Casper has done with with oh. Rafa? <laughs> that that must be such a dream come true for for being like a guy like Casper that grown up and seeing Rafa on TV being the best tennis player in the world, and then you have the opportunity to to go to his place and practice with him and learn from him from him live it's like of course it's the best the best way to to get inspiration and and uh, to feel that you're going in the right direction so not to take anything away from from like um the 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 years prior because of course they did a great job when he was a kid back in norway and when he moved to, to spain and stuff like that so but to get this when you're starting to get on tour, of, of course, this is huge for him. And, and if you look at Swedish tennis, when Swedish tennis was at, at, at its best in the 80s and the 90s, this was also th- something that happened when like players like Stefan Edberg practiced with Jonas Birkman when Birkman was like 18 and, and players coming to the tournaments when they were young and they had Swedish role models to look up to and to practice with and, and that could help them around in tournaments. Uh, I think this is huge when you're going to do the step from a, a talented player to take your step out onto the tour. But I guess Casper also shows that it doesn't need to be a player from your own country. You, you can have a player from, yeah, from yeah. as well. Uh, when you of don't, course, like, of like Sweden now, we, we maybe don't have the players to look up to in that way. No, but, but I think also the, the world has changed. I mean, it's much, much more global now. People can like resident wherever they want now uh, with the tennis. So I think that is, is normal that you find an environment mm. in, in a place that you like. And that you can, of course, grow with, and then you move there instead of you think everything is coming to you nowadays. I think mm. it's more about going out. Mm. Mm. Uh, and and uh, t- talking about these uh, academies, for for example, Nadal's academy. Now, uh, usually we talk talk uh, or hear a lot about Muratoglu. Uh, how 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 is these bigger academies? You're working for a small academy, Magnus, but you have visited bigger ones as well. What's your view of how 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 they work there? And I guess it's special for for a player like like Casper that maybe got very close to the best. But yeah, yeah, reflect a little bit on that. Yeah, but I think th- those places, if you talk about the Nadal Academy and, and the Moratul Academy, it's like heaven on earth for, for tennis freaks. It's You have so many courts, there, there's tennis players everywhere, everyone dreaming about this uh, goal of being a pro tennis player. And every court you go, there's players from all over the world practicing together and there's so many coaches. And yeah, so it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic environment to be in. Uh, me personally, if we talk about like player development, I think in the in the junior years, I'm, I'm more into the the, 
the version where you have like one coach, one player kind of relationship where, the, where there's one coach responsible for one player and, and trying to follow the player a couple of years, uh, the, uh, the couple of years and, and building these players up. And then when you maybe in the, when you're older, then you need more sparring and you need to be in this bigger environment. So, so I think it's, it's a really cool environments and, and really like a nice place to be. But I think for, for player development, I think maybe you don't need that kind of setup when the, when the kids are younger. Okay, and and what, what's your view, uh, Rune? H- have you been to these places? Yeah, I've been to Montreal once. Uh, I've never been to to Nadal, but yeah, I mean, we have talked about it before, and I mean, I think that the facilities is great. Of course, for inspiration, it's great, but I think that if you look at the numbers, it it it's not a lot of players straight from academy that comes out and and make a big uh, rush on on the tour. So I think that. As Magnus also mentioned, I think you need an individual setup uh, to develop uh, to your best, you can say. So I think that if you come in from the street into these academies, of course, it's great and you get inspired. But I think it, it's it's too much of a, a group-like uh, uh, product you get instead of individualized enough for, for yourself. Of course, if you have level like the top players, and then you come to the academy, it's a different story because I think then even that Casper uh, is using Nadal's facilities and that uh, Tony's know-how and Rafa's know-how, he's still coming with his own team to the academy, bringing in his own coaches for his practices. Then maybe he's hiring one of the fitness coaches there, but it's still himself kind of doing it inside the facilities, if you understand. I do understand. Uh, yeah, and and you can also you can almost say like Moratoglu and and the Nadal Academy is like you can almost say there's like an academy within the academy because yes. you have one academy for for like ninety percent of the players there. There are group sessions and big sessions and and big group of coaches, and then you usually have these these uh, like players that come in a few weeks, like Coco Golf coming into Moratoglu a couple of weeks, and and then they have a totally different setup than the if if uh, a random player wants to join uh, for a month so it's it's uh, an academy within the academy if we talk about these top players and and that's the way it's always been they all, always from the already back in the bulletary system was like okay we have a few players that are like our prime players that we show to the world and then we have the 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 fabric uh, the, the yes. machine behind it where we make the money yes yeah. yes yeah so true. Uh, and, and now when, when the Norway have Casper uh, Ruud uh, at the top uh, and uh, Ulrike Ekeri also reached uh, deep this week going to, to the final in the mixed doubles, uh, ca- can we expect a, a tennis boom in Norway now, uh, a couple of years uh, ahead? What do you guys think? I don't think so, because, but you also can answer this, Linus, because you also worked in Norway for some years, so you know how the culture is. Yeah. in Norway and the culture is still much more for winter sport so regardless of, of what they see on TV now and what the media says the, the little kid will always choose another sport than tennis before like maybe tennis will be second or third sport the, the, the little kid will try in Norway yeah and, and they have a couple of good uh, soccer players as well but 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 I think I, I'm not in Norway now. But but I think Casper is pretty big. Yes, of course he's big. But I still think there's a a, a big way to go from 
like being a family with a kid or two, mm. no clue about tennis, just watching Casper and reading about him in the news, then going to Holmekollen or Nordstrand with the kid to start up with tennis. I think there's a big step where I would say in Sweden, there is always some person in the family that has had some connection with tennis. So therefore, I think it's easier for a family without any background of tennis to get their kids started with tennis in Sweden. That's just my thought from, from here. I don't okay. know if Magnus agrees or, or thinks it's, it's different than in, in Sweden than what I said. Yeah, but I, I don't know so much about Norwegian tennis, but but I think this this um, truth about, okay, now we have one star, so now the star's just going to come. This is, uh, if you look at the science reports from different countries and different sports, there's there's not such a big correlation between one, one star and, and then new generation coming up because we have to... You have the need, you need the facilities of, or you need the coaches you need money so there's so many other things than just have one star in one sport so uh, hopefully uh, Norwegian tennis will be stronger and, and more players coming into the sport but as Rune said like the the the, the, the winter sports are, are massive in, in Norway and of course if you want to choose a sport where 90% of the countries don't participate you can be Olympic champion compared to tennis where you, you put your soul into it and you might end up 500 in the world mm-hmm. um, of course the Norwegian is going to choose uh, the, the easy way out <laughs> <laughs> no no I think it's a good point I, I definitely uh, agree on this it's, it's, so, something tells me Rune that you, you, you think uh, it, it's probably you think it's cold that Ulrike Akeri went deep but you don't like mixed doubles too much or no 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 I, I don't like mixed doubles I think it should be removed from from any tournament <laughs> yeah um, it, 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 I think in the world of sport it's the most unfair sport but but uh, okay okay but, but isn't it cool to play a, a Grand Slam final? Of course, it's a Grand Slam final. So, it, but I think that the the format of a of a male player and a female player teamed up together against another male and a female player in a sport mm. in, like tennis, where the biomechanic is so different between men and and women, I think it's 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 such an unfair or uneven sport. A waste of time. You said it. <laughs> And moving on uh, in uh, about the Roland Garros, I think, Jeroen, we covered the juniors uh, from Scandinavia last week, didn't we? Or am I wrong? I mean, we. Uh, I, I will say that something I was wrong right about. We mentioned them, and then I had a little bit of a prediction of how they're going to do, and I think I was uh, more or less right on that. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that was only the two Scandinavian players. We haven't yeah. talked about the general uh, junior uh, winner or loser. So maybe we can uh, talk about that. that so, uh, so, so what's, uh, what's your take on the general uh, yeah, juniors this year? No, I will say again, uh, it's actually quite funny because it's the same nation that wins the boys and the girls as in 2021. This is quite interesting because okay. it's a French guy winning at the boys and it was a French guy winning last year too. Okay. And, and for the for the girls, it was a Czech girl winning last year and another Czech girl winning this year. Okay. So uh, does that mean that those two countries are uh, dominating the, the juniors? At least in French Open juniors. 
they are. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know if can if you can do any statistic in uh, in 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 two years time or only with two uh, yeah, yeah two results. But I think that last year French was represented with three players in the semifinal. No, four players in the boys semi semifinals last year, yeah. and this year Czech was represented with three girls in the semifinals. So of course there is something about it. So, so what's the reason behind that, uh, Magnus? You're, you're, uh, I know you're an expert uh, about these countries. You have visited France uh, to, to see how they work, and I know you know you're, you're Czech as well. So, so tell us the secret, please. Uh, I don't know any secrets, but I know I've been a lot in, in Prague many years ago in, in, the, in the clubs there, and, and they have an amazing system in Prague. You can just look at the, the Czech they're dominating on the female side. If you look at the Tennis Europe ranking and, and the ITF junior ranking, and yeah, the, this is amazing if you if you come think about the, the, the country size and the number of people living there. So uh, the Czech uh, hats off to them. They're, they're the best of producing female players, in my opinion. Uh, what I've learned from, from the Czech coaches and people I've talked to is, is it's nothing special. They work hard and, and they practice a lot and they have a really good tournament system where they play each other every weekend. They play singles and doubles in every tournament and they get so many matches every weekend and then they have a high volume of practice and highly educated coaches and also this culture. If you talk about the, we talked about before with, with the, with Nadal being a role model for for Casper, and we we see like Petra Kvitova going out in, in social media and, and like uh, talking about uh, Havlikova, the winner of the girls tournament, and say like I I see your I see your hard work at the at the club in Sparta. I, I know that you you deserve this, and so of course the the culture here for producing players is is on a high level, and they, I think they're pushing each other. Every, every week in practice and in tournaments and then you can get this uh, level of players so it will be interesting to see if, if all of these players how many of them that will uh, go on, on the tour yeah and I think uh, some of the the best juniors didn't even play this year uh, the juniors right or no no Noskova could have played and uh, uh, Linda could have played so they had at least two girls that could have played the uh, juniors but mm. then you can also say uh, Corey Goff that made uh, finals of the women could also have played juniors in, in theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what about uh, France, Magnus? Well, uh, we all, I think we all know about France. They, they have so much money from, from, the, from the French Open coming into the system. And they have a, an amazing system for producing uh, coaches on a high level and, and the culture of, of tennis. And uh, so there's, there's nothing strange about France being a top nation. I think they, they should be at this level of, of producing high players, uh, high level players. So, so for me, uh, nothing uh, special. They, they work hard and, and they have enormous uh, finances for their players in, in the young age and, and they have the full support team. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's, a, it's a, not a good question, but uh, if, if we look at Czech, for example, yeah. then is, is there something they do that you think we could do, uh, we can start doing almost right away here in Scandinavia? Uh, for, I, I think there, there's a possibility to to compete smarter, in, in, at least in Sweden. I don't know about other countries, but to, to f- create a system where the best players in the nation play each other more often. Like mm-hmm. the, the, if we talk about the Swedish Championship or 
or Salk Open or Bosa Tennis, these big tournaments to have to have maybe smaller draws for, for the best players, but to have them play round robin or if you lose in the quarters, you play matches to, to like uh, have a position in the tournament. So when the tournament is done, you have position one through eight. Mm. So you get more matches where the top players play each other. So if, if, if all the good players are going to the same place, we make sure they also play each other. Because mm. uh, usually in, in Sweden, if you're say that you're number five in the ranking, you go to the quarters and then you lose to the Swedish number one and then you're done and you go home. But if we would have a system where you lose in the quarters and the four players that losing in the quarters, they're playing a new tournament with four players mm. and, and mm. see if you can be number five in Sweden in the competition. So that would create a system like every year, the best players in Sweden, they would play each other more often. And mm. also by making it a smaller draw, you, you you don't have to have these like three first rounds where where you win like six love six love and it's not good match for for the winner or the loser so mm. i think uh, with, with some small adjustments in the tournament setup we, we could have at least better matches for our players within the within the nation mm. Mm. uh yeah and uh, and, and I, I know i mean sweden is not not a very big country which uh, norway and denmark uh, are not uh, <laughs> it's not as well uh, do you think we could work more together to create these kind of environments uh, in scandinavia or is it too tough to to work together with other countries with that uh, i haven't thought about so much but i think it would be possible to maybe at least uh... Uh, look at the tournament scheduling and see if we could uh, like do a Nordic cooperation so we, the tournaments doesn't collide. If we look at ITF tournaments and stuff like that, and also with the with the bigger money tournaments, because if you if you look at like the, the level of the Swedish summer tour and the winter tour has has dropped uh, enormously the last 10-15 years. Mm. So the the matches you get within the country are are not as tough as it used to be. So maybe we need to think about if we could do something so we get tougher matches and, and the, the Swedish and Norwegian and Danish and Finnish players could uh, compete. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, it's also, uh, from, from personal view, I think it's, it's better for the best Swedish players to go to Europe instead of playing in, in Nordic countries. Okay. Uh, Rune, what do you think about uh, th this, this topic? No, uh, I don't have so much to add. I will say um, uh, I'm actually, if we should look at the French Federation, I'm a little bit disappointed that they don't bring any more players up because as Manu says, and everybody knows, they have probably the, the most uh, resources to do it. And also what I will add is that tennis is the number one or two sport in the country, which means instead of, like I said, in Norway, where the little kid will go uh, winter sport, here the little kid will most probably be doing tennis as their first or second sport if they are a French kid, which is a big, big, big uh, thing for recruiting because then you can recruit much more direct on the uh, the future physical conditions mm. and the like uh, coordination stuff where you can screen the people and then you can say, okay, you have the fit for tennis where if you get the second or the third sport, mm. you normally are outpicked and you just have to go with what is there if you understand what i mean yeah uh, and i think that is that is a big surprise that i think that fringe especially on the on the girls and the women's side should do a lot better but i mean it can also be just a, a bad generation and it will come but i think over the last 10 years the level of fringe women has dropped enormously 
both on mm-hmm. WTA level, but also on ITF level. Okay, okay. Um, and then yeah. for the Czech, I will add that, of course, I mean, I think also a little bit what Mount said, that all these girls that now were in semifinal this year, they have they saw last year, oh, this Linda Noskova, she was winning this title, and I just beat her on home soil like one or two years ago. This just shows I can do the same, and then they believe it much more than if you are from a country where you are the only one playing slams and you go out there and everything is like, whoa, it's amazing. And you have nothing to compare it up with. In in Denmark, uh, is tennis one of the top sports to try? I don't know. No, I think five or six is my five or six, maybe even lower. Um, Yeah. I, I don't know if I remember right, Magnus, but it, it uh, isn't Swedish tennis pretty good at uh, getting kids to try tennis, but we lose them quite fast. Or uh, am I remembering it wrong? Uh, well, I think um, I'm not sure, but I, I think the federation had something they said maybe 10, 15 years ago about if you if you get them in the kids into tennis if you can keep them in tennis for three years and give them three good years there's a big chance that they will become tournament players and and compete and and they saw from the numbers that we didn't really do this in swedish tennis there was a big drop off and not so many players coming into tennis started to compete uh if i remember correctly but this was was many years ago these stats okay 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 uh, all right, uh, let, let's uh, leave uh, Roland Garros, uh, guys, uh, and move uh, uh, down to, to lower levels again. Uh, we had uh, August Holmgren, uh, our college guy. Uh, he, I think he won the, the singles, and did he win the doubles as well? No, finals in doubles. He won uh, doubles and playing finals in singles now in, in uh, yeah, one hour. Time. Okay, I oh, haven't played a singles yet. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But it's a, it's the first tournament after uh, the college season. Uh, is there uh, big things coming up uh, for August Rune, or what do you what do you think? You, I remember you asked me last week about whether he would be top five hundred in in a year, and I said yes. And I think this is the way to start. Uh, of course, he's riding on momentum from NCAA, and he's playing almost at home. It's, it's right next to his university and he's going to play next week as well, right next to his university. So, of course, it's, it's, it's a good start for him. Uh, the interesting will be, as we know, how to build the ranking is not about one week or two weeks. It's, it's about a, a calendar year. So it's going to be interesting because he was playing in Monastir uh, last year with, with limited success. Uh, so, yeah, let's see. But uh, I've I watched some of his matches this week, and I think his serve has improved. Um, he still has, uh, yeah, better forehand than backhand, uh, but of course there is, yeah, th- there is some uh, some way to go. All right. So, so do you think he have like a year to, to ride uh, ride on the the college momentum, or how, how fast does it need to go? No, I think it, it's, it's less because normally when you see these co- college players coming in, uh, if they are still in college and they play pro, they normally do very well because it's like for them, uh, not fun, but it's kind of uh, free, uh, free and no pressure because they know, okay, in the fall, they'll go back to college. So this doesn't really matter. The thing is for August now, he's coming as a low ranked. He has no pressure. He will go in there and 
can play freely against everybody. The thing is, when he's starting to be seated in these 15s or trying to moving up, the pressure goes up. And there, the expectations and, and the, the mixture is, is getting harder mentally. And then again, as I said many times, he has the age against him. He's 24 now this year. And it's, it's tough uh, to get the playing on, on this 15 level for, for too many years. So, mm. yeah, it will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do, do you think it's a, it's a tough transition, Magnus, from, from college to go straight to the tour? Uh, I know you're a big fan of college. So... Uh... What, what do you think about August's chances here? Uh, I don't know him. I haven't seen him play, so so it's difficult for me to to guess. But I think if you, if we look at like uh, the tour and the slams, we see that a few players manage to to do college and then get on on the tour. On the on the double side, there's like a lot of doubles players um, and a few on the single. So for me. Always, regardless if they do the college way or if, if they do the, the way directly after school or, or how, however they do it, I think it's it's about this this commitment of, okay, I'm, I'm really going to try my best to be a pro. And maybe some players after college, they, they get stressed. of, of uh, Like you said with Rune, with the years, like uh, this is, I'm in a hurry now. So this might be negative for them because they feel they have a stress. For some players, they, they have this this passion and, and they really want to do it. So, so they manage to do it. And for some players, they they realize during college maybe that team matches that's the way I want to do it. And when I'm done with college, I'm, I'm going to do something else because playing on the tour 25 weeks is is not for me. So um, yeah, I, I, it can go either way. And I think this is also what's so interesting with tennis because if you look at some players, if they would have gone pro when they were 19, there's no way they would have made pro because they were not like mentally good enough. And and on the other hand, some players maybe should have gone tour directly but they didn't have the money so they had to go to college and, and then they they didn't develop good enough because they didn't manage school or whatever so it's it's impossible to say but i think the main thing is is as long as the player has the motivation to to like in, improve as a player they they can reach the tour either way mm-hmm. but what is surprising me or not surprising me is that i know that after uh, August is done with his college career and playing these uh, few, he will go back to Denmark and have his base. I was sure that he would try to pick a base somewhere else, uh, actually. But uh, yeah, so that, that surprised me. I heard that uh, a, mo- a month ago. Okay, okay, okay. Because uh, we have this other Danish guy, Mikael Torbegård, that made it uh, to yeah, 180, I think, uh, coming from college. But he chose to have his space in US for all his playing career and he's still there. Okay, so, so, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, Rune, do, do you think uh, in this specific example with, with August, do you think he was ready for the tour before college? He chose college because of that. So he, he, he probably himself didn't. But I was surprised when he announced he, he went on college. I was very surprised because, as I also said in the last episode, I know that uh, it's not a problem with, with finance for him to to pay for 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 traveling and for coaches you can just see how many trips he's been doing with Euroleague uh, mm. throughout the years and i think that uh, with that in mind i think that it, it was a bit of a surprise also because he doesn't like school and he's uh, not so much into school uh, i think that his his major is uh, like uh, art or something so it's not like very deep so I was actually very surprised but maybe he likes the setup and he may like the the team environment and the coaches um, I don't know. 
Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so so now it's uh, talking yeah. about talking about uh, Torpegard. Why hasn't he played this year? Is he injured? No, no, he played. Uh, I met him uh, yeah a month ago in Shimkent. He played in clay, but then he he was supposed to play Little Rock Challenger this week and Orlando next week, and he pulled out. So he's uh, he's he's injured, I think. Uh, but yeah, he's trying, of course, uh, uh, hoping that uh, Columbus, uh, Ohio will, will host a, a challenger event uh, uh, later on this year because that is uh, for sure his, his best place to play. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, we, we also had uh, a fin- Finnish player, Otto Virtanen, uh, in the semi final in, uh, in a challenger this week. Uh, and uh, I think you, Rune, you, you know more than me about uh, that field. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would say expected. Uh, not that it is expected that he's doing well this week, but his level, his top level is so high because he he hits the ball so clean, he's so loose, and he's so calm about everything, maybe even too calm uh, for, for tennis. But I think his stress level is never reaching anything clear, uh, near to the red red area when he's playing a tennis match. So, uh, so for him, it's it's just a matter of time and and put in 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 the work and yeah, it's amazing that he's he's doing semis uh, this week and hopefully he can follow next week here in Nottingham again with a good result so he can make it for for US Open quality. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, also uh, a little fun to mention is that uh, our guy Dragos Madaras he he played a qualifying on grass uh, this weekend in uh, Netherlands, right? Uh, I, I don't know too, too much about uh, grass tennis, but uh, yeah, w- what's your experience from that, uh, Magnus and Rune? Uh, I've only been to, to Wimbledon once with, with the players, so I'm not a grass expert myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was a strange match when he played the Cecil Barris, the, the Belgium guy that just won. He was in the final in, in the tournament like the day before on, on, on clay and then directly going to play on grass. So it was a big opportunity for Dragos and he won the first set. But then, unfortunately, Ciso turned it around. But grass tennis is, is uh, I think it's, it's difficult if you're not so experienced on playing on grass. Yeah. Rune. And I also think that is why the list for ATP quality is so low so Dragos can get in because you see a lot of guys they like they don't sign up for this uh, grass swing there is in 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 UK these days and therefore sometimes there is spot you could also see in the challenger quality many buys and many alternates getting in there mm, mm. even it's uh, 125 but but is it tough to to go and play on grass when you have no experience from it is it really different I've just I've been to one tournament as well, but and, and I thought it was really different. But uh, I don't. Know. I think it also depends on the player and the player style. For example, for Virtanen, it even that he only played grass on junior level uh, two years ago. For last time, I think for him it's not not such a big step because he has the the, the very how can you say eastern grip, and he's playing very flat, and he likes to take the ball early, and he has a massive serve. So for him, I think it's probably not as as a big step. Like, if it was a clay player going to play on 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 grass like Dragos. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Uh, I I my my plan is to to leave the tours a little bit and uh, and have a talk about the new news that came out this week about the elite elite series in in Sweden, uh, which will change the format. Uh, this is it this year or is it next year? This year. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Magnus, I think you, you, you know more mostly about this. Uh, what, what's your take on the new format for Elite Syrian? Uh, it, it sounds really, really fresh and, and it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I really like the, the take to try to push it closer to the Christmas to so college players has the opportunity to get home so the, the teams will be stronger and, and the players that are supposed to play in Elite Serien can participate. Mm. Uh, this has been very, very unfortunate for the last 10 years when the number of pros has dropped in, in Sweden and, and the college players are uh, a big number and the, the teams in Sweden has lost quality. So I think it's a good move to to try to keep Elite Serien on the, on the dates where you have better players at home and also to make it on the on the one week so for the pro players it's not a big uh, miss for them to miss tournaments in november instead have it in december so i'm i'm really i think it's a good move and and uh, yeah looking forward to it yeah uh, I, I think they they also raised the price money uh, quite a bit uh, for for the top 3 positions uh, what, what, what do you think that means for the uh, participating clubs? W will they spend more money on Elitzer now when the price money is, is higher? Or, yeah, what, what do you think that will, that will bring? Uh, I, I don't know, actually, but I think it's also a good move. This year they will have, uh, from what I've heard, there will be a rule of only two um, foreign players per, per club. And then for the next year, we'll only have one player from uh, outside of Sweden. So that also makes makes um, the money stay for the Swedish players. So mm -hmm. the clubs that are, are spending money on, on buying players, they will spend it on Swedish player. And for me, uh, as a fan of Swedish players, I think it's a very good move. Uh, so a lot more Swedish players that are playing future level can get money so they, they can uh, start competing more so they can raise their uh, ranking level. Mm. Mm. Uh, but but th th there will be 10 teams in Elite Syrian uh, and you said next year only one foreign player will be allowed per match which means three of them needs to be Swedish that means 30, 30 Swedish players in Elite Syrian uh, do we have that many players on that kind of level at all we'll see yeah, but okay, but but <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, do we have yes or no? Yeah, but I think if 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 we get all of the like now for for the last couple of weeks when all the college are playing are coming home and and uh, of course if if all the college players come home and they play for a club that's in the elite scene, we have players on a on a good level so we can have good matches but also you, you can get the opportunity because with the system now you need to have five players for each match because the ones that are playing doubles are not allowed to play singles so you have to have five players for every team match that are playing a match so that also and with the, with the rules of not having international players that also gives the opportunity for juniors to participate and to play these matches and and this is also one thing i think it's good for Leeds here where you have the some pro players and, and some college players and also some juniors that can create a team so it will be a good experience for all the players uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a very good move and maybe should have been done a couple of years ago but uh, not, now we're, we're making the move so I'm looking forward to it one thing is for sure it's going to be very tough for Inchirping to win the women's this, uh, this year then 
it will probably be. <laughs> but I, I mean, I agree with anything, and I'm, I mean, I'm not really, so I don't uh, so much into it. But I don't understand the rule where you're not allowed to play both singles and doubles for a team. I think that is uh, uh, not stupid, but a little bit unnecessary because they say they want to do it because they want to have only two match courts and they want to have focus on that. But the player that just finished singles can easily have enough energy to play doubles afterwards. I would say. Yeah, or minus. Yeah, I don't know uh, how how the but uh, from what I thought when I read the rules, it's it's you really need to have a team because yeah, otherwise yeah. you could go around on three on three players and you, yes. you buy two players that are high level and then you win so the team. I think it's yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, and I think it's also going to be very interesting when we come to December, also to see. How the coaches because now it's like we we there will be interesting situation to see if to put your your stronger player on all on singles and and you like hope for for America in the doubles or if you're going to put one good player in the doubles maybe with a junior to see if they can find a win in the doubles I think it's going to be also interesting from a from a coach's perspective how how yeah. to to make your lineup with these rules and is it is it clear how you start the matches. When you start on two courts, it will be single-single that starts out, or it will be one single and one double. Or how is is a rule for that? Uh, I'm I'm not 100 sure, but what I what I think I've heard is that you start with the double and the third singles, okay. and then you play number one and two. That's but I'm not uh, 100 sure, but I think oh, okay. that's the that's the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we we all agree that it's it's good with some changes. Uh, but I'm I'm still very skeptic if we will have 30 players with, with uh, enough high level to, to play. Uh, but we'll see. We need we need 40 players. Yeah. 40 players, yeah. yeah. So, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but okay, but just agree that we don't have 40 players that can play at a high level for elite Syrian. The elite Syrian will be quite quite low level from now on. Do we agree with that? I mean, of course, it will be because a lot of the players that raised the, the, the bar because they were international players, they are not there. So the general level be, will be lower. But I don't know how much it will mean for the, for the people coming to watch the Elite Serie because now the player will probably have more, uh, be well, more well-known or integrated in the club in the daily base. So then maybe more recreational players will come and watch them because they know this guy from Monday to Friday is coming in the club. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that to, to bring in foreigner players that are not well-known names, that doesn't sell the elite Syrian, but, but I'm not sure if number 25 to 30 or 35 to 40 now will sell elite Syrian either because the level is just too low. But um, yeah, we, we, we'll see. It's good with some changes, at least. Time will tell, Linus. Then we do another you, you podcast see, after. Linus, you've seen, you've seen all Svenskan in football, Linus. <laughs> Linus, you, yeah, you but, watched but, but, Alsenskan but, matches in football. I watched Alsenskan. Yeah. The, that's the level. If we talk about the level, the level is, is not the most important part. We talk about team matches. No, but all, 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 team, all teams in Alsenskan doesn't have too many spectators either. So, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I get your point. Uh, okay, but uh, it, it will be nice with, to see full stands at the Litzern in December. Uh, I like that. 
Okay, let, let's let's move on to uh, the questions I ask Rune at the end of every week. And uh, Magnus, you're you're free to join in as well. Uh, we start with what's what what has been this week's biggest surprise? Yeah, so, so someone can start, please. <laughs> I mean, yeah, both Holger's uh, run. To, uh, to quarters in French Open, in his first uh, uh, French Open, is a bit of a surprise. And of course, Kasper Rudd making final is a big surprise. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta say, um, Rune, I, I asked you two weeks ago if it was a smart move of Kasper to play the week before Roland Garros. And, and you, uh, you told me that it was a very clever move. And uh, I, I must admit that you were really right <laughs> about that. Uh, so, so nice answer there. Uh, Thank you. Magnus, do you have anything that surprised you this week or, or you know everything that, that, that everything was going to happen? No, of course not. But I have so many things that I think it's, it's uh, interesting. I, I don't know if you saw uh, Nadal when he when he lost in in Rome when he couldn't walk. So for me, I don't know about now. I read that he, he did. So he took like an injection to the nerve in his foot. So his foot has been like totally numb the whole, the whole French Open because being able to for my like of course he's the best clay court uh, player ever. But with an injured foot like that, not being able to walk and then and then uh, doing what he's done these two weeks, it's for me, that's incredible. Like, this is the best, uh, one of the best things we ever see on the tennis court through our lifetime. So I think it's it's just amazing to, to witness this. And of course, it was a little bit sad with, with the final being not so tough. Maybe, yeah, playing Djokovic in the quarters was not the best move, but that's unfortunate with the rules. But yeah, for me, uh, the surprise that Nadal's foot can be and how he can, how he can play tennis at this level for so many years, it's for me, Unbelievable! It's amazing. Or like he says, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's insane. Uh, this week's uh, biggest waste of time. Magnus, you have something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing special. You forcing me to to participate in this pod was my first thought, but. Um, I don't have anything uh, especially there. <laughs> Rune, tell us. No, I think that everything that happens is with the French Open, that discussed about uh, these matches ending very, very late. And I think it's whether it should be a women's match or a, ma a male match. I don't know if you heard uh, Moresmo uh, mm. comment on that. And I think that if I should say anything, I think that she has a point. It will be tougher to sell tickets to the audience at night if it's only uh, it's a best of three sets match and it's maybe not so intense as the men's match are. So mm. I think that uh, they made a good move, but it also is a little bit of yeah maybe waste of time that the players have to to finish that late as as Nadal did one of the days. Okay, uh, the, uh, this week's uh, stroke of genius. Yeah, I would say Carl Friedberg. Dad played in uh, yeah, Finland. Yeah, changing from clay to hard, from clay <laughs> to hard, and then winning a tournament. I think it's 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 pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And and I was surprised that he beat uh, Ivan Nadelko today. 
because he's tough and uh, you have to play good to to beat uh, a player like Ivan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Myers. Uh, no, nothing special. I think it's interesting if you look at at the player like Coco Gauff with, with her being such a good doubles player and playing so many double tournaments on a high level. If if this has like have prepared her for for bigger matches because of of being going deep in the doubles before she went double deep in the singles and also the the way she's developed her game. So uh, I think it's. Really cool to see a player these days playing finals in in both singles and doubles in the in the Grand Slam. So that uh, the the doubles helped her reach the finals in singles. Uh, I don't know if if it helped her this week, but I think like in general, just being in in an in a Slam environment for two weeks mm. as a doubles player, even if she lost in singles, she's she's been in the environment more. If she's just would have left after she lost singles earlier. For a couple of years, so so I think it's it's been a good move for her. And I don't know if you read like um, yeah, some of the younger players when they come to play slams, you can see that it's a big difference playing normal tournaments to play a two week slam. So I think getting the experience of being at the same venue for such a long time and just being in the environment, uh, I think it, it's good for for these players. So uh, I think it's a stroke of genius from her team throughout the years to to uh, stay to play doubles, usually with Katie McNally. Uh, this time she played with Pagula, but I think it's it's a good um, good move from her, from her team to and from her to to have done this in in the past. Maybe now when she's getting closer to two top ten in singles, she will choose not to play doubles. We will see, but I think it ha it has been a good move for these these years. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, the time is running out, guys, but we will end with four yes or no questions, uh, and I expect you both to to answer. Are you ready? I start. Oh, uh, both starts. Will Casper Rude one day become the world number one? No. Ah, Magnus, we need an answer. If if Casper Casper will become number one, that that uh, I have to guess no. Ah, okay. Uh, ne next year, when Roland Garros will be played, will Holger Rune be top 10 then, at that moment? No. Uh, I'm going to, just to make it fun, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> so we have it something to look forward to. Perfect. Uh, is Rafa Nadal uh, the best player of all time? Yes. Yes. And night sessions in Grand Slams, yes or no? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes for me, but I think they should look the scheduling up so it doesn't get this late. So also uh, maybe think about like having one women's match, one men's match, and they start earlier somehow. Uh, so yes, but with a better uh, scheduling. All right. Okay, nice guys. Uh, th this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Magnus, thanks for participating. Uh, you, you, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I think it went well. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talking to you guys. <laughs> always. It was a pleasure having you, uh, Magnus. It was uh, for sure the best episode we have done because we had you as a guest. Perfect. So we, we will do this very soon again, guys. <laughs> Thanks Absolutely. for today.
Thank you. Yeah. See you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, and thanks Magnus for joining in. It was a lot of fun. Uh, sorry if the sound was a bit up and down. We we did our best. Uh, we were all three in different cities, in different countries. So yeah, we did our best. Uh, as always, don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Next weekend, we will be joined by Aslak Paulsen, the General Secretary at the Norwegian Tennis Federation, which is a perfect timing after this week's big Norwegian success in uh, in Roland Garros. Uh, last week, I asked Rune if uh, which country was the hottest in Scandinavia at the moment, and he answered Denmark. I'm pretty sure that this week it was Norway. So if you have any questions to ask, like, pr- please reach out to me on Instagram or on email. Uh, then we might bring your questions on for us. Like. For, for now, thanks and talk to you soon again.